Welcome to Don't Box Me In, the show that features conversations with people from all walks of life, talking about their extraordinary experiences and inspirational messages. Now, here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, 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 and welcome back to this week's edition of Don't Box Me In. I am your host, Lana Reed. You know, many times on this show, I get the wonderful opportunity to sit, to sit down and talk to people, and I walk away saying to myself, I want to be just like them when I grow up. You know, these people with powerful spirits and a committed desire to survive and thrive. My guest today is one of these people. Angela Winfield is a blind woman with vision, boldly leading the way forward. And she's been called the queen of inspiration, trans, inspirational transformation. She's featured in the Wall Street Journal, contributing author to Chicken Soup for the Soul, The Power of Positive. She's voted a super lawyer's rising star and recognized as Zeta Phi Beta, Woman of Courage. Angela Winfield's story is pure inspiration. Despite being declared legally blind at the age of 10, Angela transformed her life into one she absolutely loves living and is here today to share her story with us. It's with pleasure that I welcome her to the show. Angela, welcome to Don't Box Me In. Thank you, Lana. It's my pleasure to be here with you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I enjoyed you making time for me today. So I, I was reading all your stuff, and I see you are a, a New York girl here, and I've always enjoyed the energy of New Yorkers. They always seem to be making things happen in life, and, you know, you definitely did that. Um, early in your life, um, at the age of four years old, you were kind of thrown your first blow uh, that you had to overcome. Uh, can you share with the audience what exactly happened then? Yeah, yeah. When I was four years old, uh, I was diagnosed with four severe medical conditions. I was diagnosed with juvenile rheumatoid arthritis, glaucoma, cataracts, and something called uveitis, which mm-hmm. affects the eye tissue. And uh, it was kind of a fluke thing. My mom noticed that I had knobby knees. And she's like, something's not right. <laughs> Took me to the <laughs> doctor. And they're like, no, it's just knobby knees. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and, 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 once, and once they started digging, they found out that I had these four conditions. Mm. And I, of course, I didn't understand what it meant. I was four. I was four. Yes. So I did what a four-year-old does. I play and I do all these things. And I didn't really start to notice that it would affect my life until maybe about 10. And mm-hmm. that's when I went legally blind. Okay, okay. Now, I'm curious, and I know you said you were four when this all started to happen, so you probably don't really recall a lot of this. But uh, medically speaking, what are the options for somebody so young at four when you, you're diagnosed with these four conditions? Was there some sort of treatment that they started for you then? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the, well, some of my earliest memories are being in doctor's offices, um, having surgery, and actually one of my very earliest memories um, was being in a hospital room and my uh, Head Start teacher, so I was in Head Start, mm-hmm. uh, came in to visit me and was feeding me. So, so <laughs> I, I have support, but it was lots of surgeries. It was lots of surgeries, lots of doctor's appointments, and lots of medicine. So I never knew that this was different for other people. I just thought, oh, yeah, I could go to another doctor. That's what I do. And I was fortunate enough to have doctors that really, um, you know, engaged me in my own care and kept me informed as much as they could. <laughs> you know, to the point I can understand with what was going on, and I even remember this one doctor, um, you know, how you put your head into the uh, examination equipment there, and 
you know, yes. chin rest and the handlebar. Yeah, he would, he would say, you know, you're going to ride your motorcycle now. Get on the motorcycle. Oh, <laughs> how cool. How cool is that? Yeah. 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 We're going to make the best of the situation. I like that. I like that. That's right. So you said at 10 you uh, were declared legally blind, but I'm assuming that you could still see a little bit then at 10 years of old That's, age? Yeah, yes, I could actually see quite a bit. Um, I had very thick glasses, uh, but I had <laughs> all these different kinds of devices. Like I had magnifiers, I had telescopes, I had reading glasses, and all sorts of things that helped me see better. And surprisingly, you didn't have to know that I couldn't see as well if you weren't paying attention. Okay. Because okay. I didn't, I didn't have a cane. I didn't have a seeing eye dog at that time. I, I was just severely visually impaired. That's okay. the best way to describe it. Okay, I got you. And you know, you talked about your um, mom there taking you to the doctor at an early age with the knobby knees. Uh, did you have like a lot of family support around you? Do you have brothers and sisters? I do. I do. That is one of the things that was so key um, mm-hmm. to my success is that I had both parents. I had an older brother and an older sister, and it was amazing because they never let me think that I was different. Mm-hmm. You know, they never let me use the fact that I couldn't see as an excuse, and they didn't treat me any differently. And that's the same even today. <laughs> um, you know, there are times when I go out with my sister, and I don't bring a cane, I don't bring my dog, I trust her to give me sighted guide, and we'll get out of the car, and she'll just walk off. I'm like, hey, hey. You know, I need an arm here. Say, hey, I need you. Well, hold on now. <laughs> so you were, I'm assuming you still were the typical little sister and you got blamed for everything. And no, Angela did it. It wasn't us. And, and that kind of. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And my brother, he's uh, 12 years older and was into karate and, you know, wrestling and stuff like that. So I, all the roughhousing, all that stuff went on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't care. No disabilities here. I'm still going to treat you like my little sister. Okay. <laughs> you know, but like you mentioned, you know, that is one of the key elements for, you know, growing in your disability because I think a lot of times, you know, um, people have a tendency to kind of want to baby the situation or tiptoe around it, you know, and um, I think people don't realize that there is so much things that, um, you know, anybody with, you know, uh, disabilities can do, and we just assume that they just can't do everything, and, and um, you know, I think they're doing a great disservice to uh, people, you know, and I, I think that was one of the things that can help anybody survive and thrive is like what your family, you know, taught you it's like we're not going to give you any special treatment you know you're still going to get the whole little karate kick you know from the side and everything like that. so that's yeah. i think that's so wonderful wonderful so you you mentioned in your bio there that um you went through the public school system and everything and and excelled in spite of the blindness um can you share with us what adjustments did you have to make going through school, um, elementary, high school, you know, with the blindness? Was, was there certain classes or certain tools that you have to use to get through school? Mm-hmm. There were uh, several different things, and I will tell you, this was one of the hardest times of my life, is getting through um, junior high and high school. Okay. Uh, um, I had still all the different devices to help me see. I had large print materials. But it got to the point where even when I was sitting in the front row, I couldn't see the chalkboard anymore um, and what was being written on it. So I had to work with my teachers and get them to verbalize everything. And I developed my auditory Mm -hmm. skills. The other major thing that happened is because of liability issues, I had a one-to-one aid um, that accompanied me through the hallways in the classroom. 
And if you can imagine, if you can think back to when you were in junior high and mm-hmm. what it was like uh, having an adult with you. <laughs> All the time. Oh, what a bummer. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and, you know, and that's when my classmates started noticing, hey, you're different. You know, she's yes. different. She's not like us. And they weren't mean in the typical way. Um, because they didn't know how to deal with it either. Either They didn't know how to ask questions. They didn't know how to interact with me. So they ignored me, and I became invisible for hmm. a, good, a good portion of that time. And um, it was a struggle. It was a real struggle. And I did think about leaving public schools, and for a short while, um, I did. I, I was homeschooled by my teachers um, because I just couldn't bear to be in that situation, be so socially isolated from everybody. And, um, you know, I was very, very depressed. Yeah, I mean, it's already a hard time for the the whole junior high, high school is already an awkward time for uh, a teenager with vision. I can imagine, you know, the the additional struggles you had. I'm curious, was it your um, idea at first to stay in public school, or did your parents decide, no, we're going to keep her in public school and not put her in a private school that would cater to her, probably, a little bit more one-to-one? That, yep, that was my parents' my parents' decision. Um, they were actually both public school teachers. Okay. And they came from very um, poor backgrounds. They were okay. the first ones in their family to go to college, and they thought education was you know, critical, which it okay. is. So yes, it they is. They were insistent on me having a public education. Okay, okay. I mean, and it, it obviously it paid off for you. Um, oh. Although although it was a struggle, I'm sure there's a lot of lessons that were taught to you then. You know, I'm just trying to envision my own little awkward junior high, high school years. And, you know, here it is. I'm walking out in the class, and there's some adult waiting there to, um, you know, guide me to the next class. And you're kind of going through that. Wait a minute, I'm trying to be cool. Go away. I don't want to, you know, be seen with you. You're not like, okay, you're cramping my style here. So, you know, but, uh, I mean, man, I have to commend yeah. you. That's just a lot to go through mentally there um, during those years that are already rough on on that age bracket so you know awesome and amazing now you also mentioned like at 14 it just kind of got to be a little bit too much for you um yeah and and you were you know really going through um a a period of depression i mean what what contributed to all of that i mean what brought you to that point Mm -hmm. the thing that brought me to that point was thinking about the future and i usually the future brings you hope but mm-hmm. I didn't know what was out there for someone like me. You know, okay. you don't see too many um, blind women out there moving and shaking and doing the stuff that I wanted to do because mm-hmm. I still had all the same desires, but I didn't see that. I didn't have that as a role model, and that was the age when people started asking me seriously, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to do when you grow up? What do you know? And I just couldn't at the time envision what that looked like. It looked really, really negative and really mm-hmm. kind of dismal. I thought I'd be alone forever. I thought I'd never get married. I thought I wouldn't have a career. I thought I'd be, you know, living with my parents and, mm-hmm. you know, collecting government assistance for the rest of my life. That's what I mm-hmm. thought it was going to look like. Hmm. So what gave you that that aha moment that there is something out there for Angela? Like, I don't this doesn't have to be my end result where I'm on, you know, government assistance, living at home with my parents, you know. Um, there there are some things that I can do even as a blind woman in this world to, you know, make my own way and become independent. 
Mm-hmm. The thing that really kind of shifted, started my shift, was realizing that uh, I didn't know. Like, I didn't know whether or how it was going to turn out for me. I had encouragement. I told you about that. I had support. And I had all these people around me saying, you know, oh, you can do it. You mm-hmm. can do it. You can do whatever you want. You know, many of us have heard that. And I was like, well, you know, what if they're right? You know, what if I can do it? What if mm. I can? And I started getting kind of curious and like, well, you know, let me find out. You know, that's like <laughs> a little bit of defiance came out. So, okay, let me, let me see what I can do. And I surprised myself. And I think that so many people never follow that kind of dream, that, that, that hope that's there and find out what's really possible because your thoughts limit you. They really, yes. really do. Because, you know, you, you only can think about what you know and what you've seen. But when you really allow yourself to say, you know what, what's really possible, that's when things started to open up. That's when things started to shift um, in my outlook, in my mindset, and even like in the way that I interacted with people and the way they responded to me. Yes, yes. You know, I don't think people really understand, you know, the power of our thought process, our day-to-day thought process and what we're saying to us. And we don't even realize we're saying, you know, oh, I don't think I can do that. No, I don't think I should try that. No, that's probably not going to turn out well. And how that actually, we manifest that in our lives just by thinking all those negative thoughts. You know, you kind of have to, you know, really train yourself to say anything is possible. You know, if I, if I think it and I apply myself to it, you know, I can make this happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is the absolute truth, because when I look back at it, I, mean, I would say some awful, negative things to myself that I would never dream of saying today. <laughs> and it's not, you know, it's yes. being a Pollyanna and saying, you know, oh, everything's wonderful. You know, sometimes it's not. Stuff is tough. Life is mm-hmm. tough. But it's really, you know, challenging yourself to engage with life and to discuss discover what you're capable of. You know, one of the things that I credit my success to is the human spirit, Mm -hmm. right? And that can carry you so far because I really honestly believe that as humans, we were built and made to overcome. We were built and made to do things that we couldn't even think of that are unimaginable and incredible. Like, that's what our spirit Mm -hmm. allows us to do cool cool we're going to take a quick commercial break Angela when we come back I want to talk a little bit more about the uh, human spirit so stick with me we'll be right back welcome back to don't box me in here's your host Lana Reed Welcome back. Welcome back. Today I am talking with the Queen of Inspirational Transformation, Ms. Angela Winfield. And before the break, uh, we had started to uh, delve into uh, the human spirit concept that she talks about a lot. And you do credit a lot of your spirit, um, your success to the power of the human, human spirit, um, something that we all possess but we don't tap into. Uh, can you explain a little bit more how we access the human spirit? How do we bring it to uh, to the forefront of our lives? Mm-hmm, absolutely, yeah. So, I mean, the first thing always is to recognize that it's there and accept the fact that you, know, you have this inside of you. And, you know, the reason why, if you are attracted to my story, 
um, or kind of captivated by, by it is because you see something in it that is in you. Um, and I think most people kind of sense that. And the other way to kind of bring the human spirit into the forefront is to tap into the four master keys that I talk about, um, you know, to open your mind, open your eyes, and open your heart to what's inside of you, um, your true capability, your true vision, and allow that to lead you. Okay. So you talked, uh, you just mentioned about the uh, four master keys, and one of them, if I'm understanding correctly, correctly, is to open your mind. Is that one of them? One of the master keys, well, not exactly. The, the master keys is an acronym that spells open. Each okay. One of the master keys, O-P-E-N, open, oh. right? And it allows your, you to open to the um, to your own success and to the human spirit. So let me um, let me tell you what the the first key is. Okay. And O is for outlook. Okay. okay. It's it's you know looking at the way you perceive yourself the world, people around you, and also opportunity. We often filter what we see. You know, we have this natural vision um, and a natural way of seeing things. And when we get out there into the world and we start thinking, we have limiting beliefs. We have all these things that people tell us that we either can or can't do. And what you really want to do is optimize your outlook for success. Now, that where the human spirit is. When your vision is truest and clearest, that's when you're able to see the possibility. That's when you're able to see, okay, there's something more here and there's something that I can do. Gotcha, gotcha. You know, and, and it brings, I was just having a conversation, you know, uh, with a friend of mine and I was, I was very irritated when I was having a conversation because he's always, you know, well, nothing is my fault. You know, I, I can't because of this or this person did this and this person. And I'm always saying the same thing to him. You know, it's your outlook. You know, you have the capability to change a lot of your situation, but you need to redirect your outlook on how you're looking at things. You know, you're going to stay in this, this rut, you know, and, you know, he was like, he, then he began to blame me as part of the problem yeah. like so you're you're one of the ones you don't understand either and i just like okay i'm throwing my hands up i'm done i've said what i've had to say you want to stay in this spot and i'm gonna let you stay here <laughs> that, is exactly, that is it <laughs> so you know i really you know i i really understand uh that that outlook part that was one of the master keys there so i mean i think that's very valuable advice that you know we as all humans can kind of take heed to because there's a lot of times uh you know we go through these situations in life and you know it's easier to kind of like deflect responsibility onto somebody else and you know have your own personal pity party but you know you mm-hmm. need to take charge you need to take charge of your life if you wanted to go a certain direction make active concerted steps to to move it that direction you know um you know so that's that's a good good key point and i'm having a thought here you know Everything that you've gone through, you know, and you've accomplished, I mean, people are listening to your story and they're like, wow, you know, here's this woman. You know, not only is she blind, she's African-American, you know, she's kind of hit with a double whammy there. And she she's managed to, you know, come full circle. She's an attorney. She's doing all of these things. And now you're mentoring and you're coaching people. Do you ever stumble across people who... You know, they're, they're fully abled and, you know, they're, woe is me, Angela, and, you know, I can't. And you're, like, looking at them like, really, really? Do you see everything I went through? I mean, you're really complaining? I mean, do you ever have these moments? Yes, yes. Almost every day I encounter someone like that. 
and you know it you know it makes me laugh. You gotta have a sense of humor about it, at least for me, because there's sometimes that yeah, I just kind of want to smack upside the head and say, you know, look at me, look at really, if I can do it, you can do it. Thank <laughs> and you. It, <laughs> and it's the truth. And what I like to say more than just you know, if I can do it, you can do it, because I did it means okay. you can do it. You know, okay. I'm really not special. Like I, and and pe- some people, especially ones who are stuck in that outlook like your friend, hate it when I say that. They just, you know, get all tense up. But I'm not special. Like, I have my own set of unique talents and gifts. And, you know, yeah, not everyone was meant to be a lawyer. Not everyone was meant to coach. Those happen to be my unique, you know, skill set that I developed. But everyone has the ability to take control of their life and thrive. Everyone has that. That's right. That's right. We all come into this world with a special gift and talent that we're supposed to give back to this world. And I just don't think some people ever really realize how to materialize it. And sometimes that's the sadness that, um, you know, I see as I travel around and do my own personal work. But, you know, everybody has something of value, some little unique thing, you know, that they can give that, you know, just is their own personal light that shines into this world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you, you got to get out of your own way so you can you know, let that light shine. There you go. Um, I was reading. Uh, I'm just all off course here. Uh, I, w- I was reading your stuff, and it says that Claire Huxtable is one of your your little. Mm-hmm. I want to be. How, why? What is it about Claire Huxtable that intrigued you as a little girl? You know, I'm, and I, 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 you know, everything that's going on with Bill Cosby nowadays. But you know, yeah. I stand by the Cosby Show. You know, gotcha. because that was one of the first representations of a successful you know, African-American family. And I looked at Claire Huxtable. She was an attorney. I think there was one episode where they showed her working. <laughs> they didn't show all that she was into being an attorney. But what they did show is that she was strong. She was independent. She was, you know, loving and compassionate, but she had values. And I was like, that's what I want to be. That's, you know, that's what I want. And it just stuck with me. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, in your growth as, um, you know, dealing with your blindness, was there some sort of, like, beginning stages of, you know, no, I don't want anybody's help, I can do this all myself, to the woman that we see today who has embraced all of the tools and what life has dealt her? Was there a point in time where you were just kind of, I'm just going to do everything and be independent by myself? (laughs) How did you know that, Lana? (laughs) You know, I, I work with a lot of people, so you know we're a little he- we're hard headed at times. You know, we have to we have to become these yeah. people that we are now. That yes, yes, absolutely. So I will tell you, uh, man, I was I was awful about that. <laughs> I was like the most independent. If you tried to help me with anything, I would snap your head off. I had to you know carry all my own bags. I didn't want help from anybody because I was going to do this thing and I was going to do it on my own. And that did not serve me well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, I was angry. You know, I was mm. angry. I was jaded. And, you know, there were times when, you know, I sit there and I, you know, refuse all this help and then sit there by myself you know, and nobody's helping me. It's like, well, I refuse. <laughs> well, you just pushed everybody away, so I'm not going to help her now. So. <laughs> that was exactly it. And, you know, I got to the point where I realized, you know, that support that you can get from people is a part of the richness of life. Mm-hmm. And it's like this amazing thing. You know, I used to, you know, be really afraid of strangers and afraid of being rejected. 
and I actually traveled over to London when I was in college and spent six months there. And don't, you know, and it's not just London. It was because it's been pretty much everywhere I've ever lived, but that's where I first noticed that strangers would help me. Mm-hmm. You know, they would offer assistance. And there was this kind of unique connection where people, and I could, you know, if I was okay and I didn't need assistance, you know, I got to the point where I could smile and say, but thank you. You know, I'm okay. Yeah. But thank you. And it's just it's a nice reminder that people are good. You know, people want to help. That's what, I mean, it makes them feel good. It makes the person who's being helped, you know, get to where they want to go and what, and what they're trying to do. It's a, it's a wonderful way to connect with people is to either do something for them or to accept and receive that help. Awesome. Awesome. You know, like, you know, I tell people all the time, you know, we are, we are here to be servants to others. So, you know, sometimes you got to, you know, let people help you out like you learned uh, in your, your growing lessons there. Now you mentioned you, you did eventually go to college and we haven't talked about this yet. And I do, I do want to make sure I celebrate all of your accomplishments. So you graduated from high school, top of your class, and you went on Mm -hmm. to college. Which college did you go to after high school? I went to Barnard College at Columbia University, the women's college there, uh, and I never thought I'd go to a woman, women's college. So I was boy crazy, <laughs> even though they weren't paying attention to me. I was like, I can't go and be with a group of women. Uh, <laughs> Dad was probably happy, though, I'm pretty sure. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, he was. <laughs> A sticker there. I don't have to worry about anything. Did, so how did you, because um, did you have options that you were looking at for college, or did you always know at some point in time Barnum was it? No, that was the lowest one on my list um, and until I actually went and visited there. But I, I narrowed it down to about two options, and uh, I was deciding what to do. And the thing that changed it for me is to actually be able to see role models. Now, there were all these like wonderful um, women on this campus that were amazing, like just truly remarkable. There were athletes. There were people that had gone to the Olympics. There were um, poets and dancers, and there were writers, and there were people who were active in you know um, advocacy. And it's just like wow, you know, I've never known young people and young women mm. to be that strong and that out there and that visible. And I was like, I want to be like that. It was kind of like the, you know, Claire Huxtable thing again. Yeah. You know, I, I saw it in the flesh, and I was like, okay, that's going to be the deciding factor for me. Um, cool. And it happened to be in New York City, which I love New York City. So. Awesome place. I tell everybody all the time, awesome. New York is just one of my favorite spots, just like the energy of the people, the things to see, things to do. So I'm with you there on New York. Angela, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, I'm going to talk some more about your college years. Stick with me. Let's return to Don't Box Me In with your host, Lana Reed. Welcome back. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Today I'm spending some time with Miss Angela Winfield. She uh, has been featured on the Wall Street Journal and contributing author to Chicken Soup for the Soul. She's an attorney and uh, she happens to be as an afterthought blind as well, but that doesn't stop her from anything. Before the break, we were talking about her time, or her time in college and you said you started off at Barnard College. Now, I think at this point we've discussed like when you were 10, you were kind of declared legally blind. But your sophomore year in college, 
was another blow, correct? Yes, that is right. That is right. That's when I lost um, all my useful sight, and it was fast. I had a flare-up with the uveitis, um, which I hadn't had one of those in over 10 years. Okay. So what happened was I woke up one morning, and uh, I had a headache, or what I thought was a headache. It was a okay. really bad kind of headache. And it was towards the end of the semester, and I had a presentation in my Spanish class. So I was like, you know, I'm going to have to you know, suck it up and um, move on. And I got myself together. I did what I had to do for the class. It was a late afternoon class. I walked there fine, and I got up there to give my presentation. And I looked down at my note cards, which I'd written out in a thick black marker. Mm-hmm. So I could see it. And when I looked down, I couldn't see what I had written on the note wow. cards. Um, it was all clouded over, and you know, obviously, I was as I was walking, so I was noticing things weren't looking quite right. But I still had that distance vision, and I say distance kind of, you know, uh. in an ironic way because I couldn't see that far. But it, but so I looked down the notes, and I, I was like, this isn't a headache. This is um, something else, and I've got to get to a doctor. So I made my way um, back to my dorm room. And this was at the time when I was fiercely independent, so I didn't <laughs> tell anybody. I didn't tell any of my classmates that, you know, oh. I can't see. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> I, just, I mean, and, and looking back, I could, you know, laugh at the, I could only imagine what I must have looked like. <laughs> just kind of stumbling around there, right? That's right, yes. <laughs> I was trailing everything that I could, following people. And I made it back, called my parents and said, you know, I need to get to the doctor. And um, again, I was like, oh, I can take the train up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Such a knucklehead. Exactly. I said, no, we'll come get you. We'll come get you. And they took me in, and the doctor said, yeah, you had a flare-up, and um, we hope you'll get your sight back. You put me on a mega dose of steroids to bring mm-hmm. down the inflammation, and the sight never came back, never came back. And that was a really tough time because, that was kind of my worst fear. Things were starting to change when I was in college that first year and a half. I mm-hmm. was, you know, starting to, you know, figure out I can do some of this stuff. You know, I can make friends. I can, you know, do internships. It's going to be all right. And then I go totally blind. So there's no more passing. There's no more hiding. I had to kind of recommit. You know, do I really want this or am I going to give up? Because there were people around me that said, you have every reason. Nobody would blame you if you stepped away from the college. Yeah, I mean, I, I would I would say that the average person, you know, who has gone through what you went through up to that point, and I'm, I'm here, I'm making my way, and here's another, you know, left blow to the jaw, and you're like, really? Now you want me to put up with this as well? Um, you know, that's, that's, that's a lot to deal with. I mean, and, and many of us wouldn't have the fortitude to keep pushing forward. Um, what kept you going? Mm-hmm. My vision, funnily mm-hmm. enough. And it was mm-hmm. the vision because I started to get a taste of what was really possible. Right? So I started sh- shedding all of those thoughts about how I couldn't do it. All that I, I was thinking, no, 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 I, I can do stuff. I've already started to do it. Mm-hmm. And because I had the right end goal, the right vision in my mind, that's what kept me going. I wanted to get back up because I wanted to see if I can get there. You know, gotcha. I, I wasn't ready to give up. It did knock me down. It, it made me rethink it, but it was probably 
the turning point in my life and one of the things that I'm most grateful for because it did, you know, put me right there at that point where I decide, is this worth it? Is what I want, is my dream worth continuing on? And I think when you have the right dream and the right goal, yeah, you're going to have obstacles, but you are going to get up and go around those obstacles. I think what holds most people back is when they encounter an obstacle and they're ready to give up, is that they don't have the right goal in, in, mm. in mind, the right goal for them. Because success for everybody is different. And lots of times we get caught up in saying, you know, success has to look like, you know, being an attorney. It has to look like, you know, making a million dollars a year. It has to be mm-hmm. what my mama told me or my, you know, whoever <laughs> told me. Got you. Got you. You know, yeah. and a lot of times people look at somebody else's success and want that not realizing that's not what their goal is. That's not what they're supposed to be working towards. And that's why they're running into a lot of stumbling blocks because they're, like you said, they're pursuing the wrong dream, the wrong passion, the wrong mm-hmm. vision. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. So you went yeah. on to, uh, go, go ahead, dear. Mm-mm. Go ahead. You went on to um, finish college clearly, and you went on to uh, Cornell Law School after this. Um, when you entered into Cornell, did you have any kind of idea what particular type of law you were interested in practicing? I had a number of different ideas, uh, one of which was being a trial attorney, um, and that's the one that I ended up with because uh, there's just something about, you know, being a fighter and an <laughs> You think? Okay. (laughs) Yeah, okay. We can see that. Okay. (laughs) And to be able to do that for someone else is a real honor and privilege, especially when they can't do it for themselves. It is. It is. It is such a rewarding feeling. It is. Um, I want to talk about, you have a very, uh, very special friend that uh, accompanies you on a daily basis. I'm assuming that he started, he became a part of your life when you became legally blind in in your sophomore year. Is that when you got this little guy? I got, um, well, I got my first one, yes, um, between my junior and senior year. I got um, August. He was my first dog. He was uh, pretty incredible. Pretty incredible. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, and just to let everyone know who I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my, my first seeing eye dog. My first okay. seeing eye dog. Okay. And it, uh, it opened up a new sense of freedom because I was using a cane, mm-hmm. which I still love because there's many advantages. One being that it doesn't need to go out when it's cold and snowing and you can <laughs> fold it up and put it away when you don't need it. He's like, I got but, needs, lady. I got needs. <laughs> Working with a dog, it does, it's just, uh, I mean, it's awe-inspiring to me every day. It's a partnership, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, my dog is responsible for guiding me and keeping me safe. And I tell them left, right, because, yes, they know they're left from their right. And um, I can tell them commands, like, inside, and they'll show me a door handle. Or I can tell a command, like, outside, and it'll take me to the door that we came in. And it's just this wonderful sense of freedom. And then on top of that, like just walking down a sidewalk with a dog, there's nothing else like it because you can walk as fast as you want to walk. And you don't have to constantly think about 
is there a step? Is there, you know, what's my cane telling me? Is there a pole? Because the dog will take you around it. It'll take you around people. It will, it's just an awesome, awesome, indescribable feeling. And then you've, you've got a friend. Like, it's the most amazing bond that you can describe. I, I, I don't have any children, but it would be the, the closest thing I can think of to describe it to. It's like, I don't know, having a child and your, you know, dream car. <laughs> because, it, you know, he is a tool. He is a tool. I use it every day. I rely a lot on him to get me places, but he loves me, and I love him, and it, there's, it's an incredible bond. Gotcha. How long have you guys been together now? Um, well, I'm on my second dog, and I've been with her for three years. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Now, let me ask you this, though. I mean, I guess maybe let's go back to the first dog. When you mm-hmm. you got your first dog, do you think, reflecting back, that it was more you taught them or they taught you? We taught each other because you know, <laughs> there's this little saying that they match the dog to the owner, which they do. They do. They, you know, come and evaluate you and, you know, give you the best dog that's going to work for where you live and how fast you walk and all this other stuff. But he was uh, independent and stubborn, um, <laughs> and he was a texter, just like I was. Uh-huh, and okay. So there was an adjustment period where we had to learn how to work together. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, that sounds familiar, like somebody we won't mention any names, right? That's right. That is absolutely right. So I saw a lot of myself in this dog, and he taught me a great deal of patience. He also taught me a great deal of confidence because, you know, you, I'm still the person in charge. You know, I need to say left and right, and he needs to use his judgment to see if, say if that's you know, safe for me to go there. Um, but I still have to be alpha. And he, and he taught me how to be alpha mm-hmm. while still being compassionate. I like that. I like that. Cool, cool. So, uh, on to, uh, away from, uh, warm, fuzzy feelings about the doggy, uh, you've also accomplished a lot of other wonderful things. You've done a lot of things. And one of those things is you have started a company called Blind Faith Enterprises. What actually does, uh, Blind Faith Enterprises do? Blind Faith Enterprises is a personal growth and personal development company that I do all of my speaking engagements because I am a motivational speaker and I do keynote workshops. So I do that through my business. I also do coaching programs, um, one-on-one coaching with people to help them you know, walk through those four master keys, to unlock their vision, and to achieve their dreams. Okay. And I also have a home study program that I'm offering through there. Um, and you know, my mission really is to motivate, educate, and inspire people to reach their highest potential. Okay. And how, how long has uh, Blind Faith Enterprises been around? It's been around for five years now. Oh, okay. You've been at it for a minute there. Okay. For, yeah, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. And okay. it, every year it seems to grow and, you know, be more and more of a focus. Um, it started off small and it, you know, it still is in a sense, uh, but it's, helping people in a way that I never imagined because I always thought I would be an attorney and continue to be forever, and I, I'm still affiliated with the firm, but I'm realizing that um, my real purpose and the reason why that I was successful at becoming an attorney isn't just to practice law. It really is to help guide people 
so they can uh, achieve what they want to achieve as well and overcome whatever obstacles they're facing. There you go, a woman with vision. We're going to take our last commercial of the break, a break of the day. When I come back, I want to talk some more about this home study program that you have. So stick with me. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, hello, and welcome back. Today I'm with Miss Angela Winfield. Uh, she's uh, she was voted super. She was voted a super lawyer's rising star and recognized as Zeta Phi Beta Woman of Courage. As I say that, Angela, real quick, uh, off track topic. Are you a Zeta Phi Beta? I am not. Oh, okay, not, okay. They, I'm just, but, but they honored me. Oh, okay. I was just going to have a reflective moment back on my college years because, you know, back in my freshman year, I was a sweetheart for Five Beta Sigma, you know, sisters too. So I was going to you know, go down memory lane there, but, you know, oh. <laughs> we'll let that pass. So before the commercial break, uh, we mentioned your home study course, and I want to make sure everybody knows about that because I think it's, it's awesome and wonderful there. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about what that is, uh, what, what it will do for a person, what we're going to accomplish here by participating in it? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so the home study course is to help you become the greatest leader of your life. And we've talked about this today, how you are the one that needs to shift your outlook. You need to take responsibility and control and really focus in on what's going to get you to where you want to go. Focus on where you want to go <laughs> and you know, get there. You know, That's up to you. And that's what this program does. You know, lots of programs you know, try and teach you, you know, systems and methods and, you know, particular paths, that's not what this program is. What this program is, is the four master keys for unlocking your vision and your success. And it takes you through each one of those keys. It optimizes your outlook. So if you're in one of those places where you're feeling like you're a victim and nobody else gets it and that's the module that's going to help you optimize your outlook and get rid of those limiting beliefs and get you to see that possibility that's there. Then it walks you through developing what your unique goal is, the one that you're going to get up from those obstacles and want to run over them, around them, or under them. It's going to help you identify that, and it's also going to help you start to create the life that you love living. So it's an awesome, awesome program, and what you get with it, it's all electronic and uh, downloadable. You'll get instant access to a life book, 47-page life book that walks you through each of the modules, and it's accompanied by uh, 21 short, short recordings because people are busy, you know? Yes. People are, yes. People are very busy. So it matches up, and you get to uh, listen to the explanations. Um, you get your life book, and the fun thing about this program that I absolutely, absolutely love, and I think the bonuses are better than the program, <laughs> even though the program, I recommend you do it, <laughs> you, get, you get monthly Q&A calls with me where you oh. can hop on the line, get instant inspiration, get some laser coaching, any questions that you have about the program or how to apply it to your actual life, because that's really what it's all about, um, you can hop on and ask me those questions, you get lifetime access to that. You also get an entry to win a coaching package with me. You know, once a year, 
At the end of December, I do a drawing, and I pick one person to do four one-on-one coaching sessions with. So that's phenomenal, and there's other bonuses there. You can learn more about it at AngelaWinfield.com slash homestudy, and it lays out everything that you get, all of the bonuses, because there's more that I don't, that I, um, don't have time to mention now, but you can read through it. And again, that's AngelaWinfield.com slash homestudy. I'm really, really proud of this program. Wow, I like all of that. I really like the sound of that and especially the um you know the opportunity to connect with you personally, you know, and chat with you and I think sometimes you know that's what people need is their personal cheerleader like okay, I can only do so much myself and then I kind of need that person on my shoulder kind of yes you can do it, yes you can do it and it, it's nice that you add that to your package there. I mean, I, I just really think that's a beneficial tool there. Mhm. Yeah. And it's invaluable to have that sort of support and also to have someone to see something from a perspective that you can't. So when you are stuck and you need that extra set of eyes, pardon the pun, <laughs> you know, to <laughs> kind of get you around, you know, that's what I'm there for. And, you know, that's why it was important for me to have that as part of the home study because you're not out there alone. You know, I like the quote, you, know, you alone can do it, but you can't do it alone. There you go. There you go. Now, I was being nosy, Angela, and, you know, going through your blog and everything, you know, because that's just me. I'm kind of looking around, poking around, especially when I have an interview with somebody. And I came across, like, this cute picture of you on your wedding day and your dress and you and your companion dogs, you and your hubby and everything. And I just – I was so, you know, oh, isn't that wonderful? But then I read I read the blog, and it was like I spent – my anniversary away from my husband. I was like, wait a minute, hold on. You just burst my bubble here. <laughs> so what? What is? how do you spend your wedding anniversary away from your husband? Well, how did that all come about? Well, you know, uh, <laughs> Oprah, Oprah had this thing called The Life You Want Weekend. <laughs> and it so happened to fall on my anniversary. And, um, you know, I was like, oh, man, you know, I gotta see Oprah. You know that I mean, she's the ultimate in terms of being a role model. I mean, she's the real deal. Claire Huxtable. That was when I was a kid. Oprah is like she's doing it, and she's been an amazing influence to me in so many different ways. So I was like, I've got to go. I want to be a part of this event. And I can tell you, I married the right man because what <laughs> I told him, <laughs> I told him he's like, oh yeah, you gotta go to that. Like you gotta go. <laughs> no hesitation. So, I like that. Yeah. Oh, I like that. I like that. Now, um, as we start to uh, wind down here, um, if you could give any tip or pointer to um, individuals out there, what is the best thing that we can do to assist and help a blind person when we encounter them? The best bit of advice that I can give is, number one, um, don't grab them, <laughs> which is very common. You know, don't don't grab them. Ask if they need help. You know, that's the best thing. Ask, do you need assistance? And offer an arm you know, if they do, because that's you know that's the best thing. And if they say no, that they don't want assistance, be respectful of that, and you know, listen to the listen to the person because we are each individual, and some people are more accepting of help than others. But you know, ask. Definitely do the ask. Say hello, you know, okay. and you know, treat them like a person. Okay, okay. 
Now, um, many of us have heard that, um, you know, when you lose one, the other senses develop more. Um, is there something that we need to be more conscious of or not? You know, because I'm assuming that there's extra sensory perception in some areas. Uh, in certain areas, yeah, because that's all the input you're getting is from the other senses. So, yeah, they are a little bit more heightened. Okay. Um, the one thing that I would say is, um, you know, blind most blind people, I can't speak for all of them, can mm-hmm. sense when somebody's getting close <laughs> to them. Okay, so okay. If, you know, so, so if you're standing there, it's very likely that they might know that you're there. I've had this happen to me a number of times where I know there's somebody standing there and I'm either waiting for them to say hello or I'm here mm-hmm. and I'm the one who has to say, you know, is there somebody standing Is there somebody holding oh. the door? That's a very okay. common one where someone will hold the door um, for me and not say that they're there and holding the door. Um, you know, be verbal. Be be verbal and let the person know that you're there. Um, gotcha. Because most likely they can sense it and they just can't see you and you're not saying anything when you're quiet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you're just complicated you know. the whole issue there. Gotcha. That's gotcha. right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So what can we expect next on the pipeline for Miss uh, Angela Winfield? Uh that's lots of things. I will be out there um, visible on my blog like usual. Um, I'm also going to be doing more speaking engagements, so I will keep um, that posted and updated. You can find out where I am and what I'm up to. And um, I also hope to have a book out. I'm working on that now. Oh, okay. Any yeah. timeline when we might see that? Uh, we're shooting for uh, the end of 2015. Okay, okay. So we need to be focused and stay tuned for that. I think that'll be awesome and amazing. I, I like your spirit, so I'm pretty sure the book will be, you know, awesome and entertaining as well. So, cool stuff there. Now, before we get out of here, um, I know we mentioned Claire Huxtable was one of the influences in your life, but do you have any other th- people or things that were your great influence in your life? Yes, Oprah was one, and then my mother. My mother was a huge influence because um she was afraid for me, as you could imagine most mothers mm-hmm. would be. <laughs> and okay. um, she, she didn't let her fear stand in the way. Okay, okay. There was a, um, it brings me to, uh, I'm thinking, I used to watch that uh, movie, Ray Charles. And mm. um, his mother, she, when she was trying to deal with young Ray Charles being blind, she purposely didn't baby him. And she, I, there was a scene where he was reaching for her. Because he was learning his way in his blindness, and she didn't automatically grab for him. She let him listen to the sounds around the house and find his own way towards her. But you, I think that's something you go through as a parent. Like, I don't want to debilitate my child. I don't want to baby my child. But I want them to become the best person that they can possibly be in their disability. disability. And I think your mother, she did a wonderful thing there, obviously, because you're just an awesome, amazing woman there, and you're doing wonderful things. Miss Angela, we are at the end of our hour here. It always goes way, way too fast for me. Um, I've enjoyed you so much today. My guest has been Miss Angela Winfield. Please, please, please visit her website, AngelaWinfield.com. See everything that she's got going on there. Uh, once again, Angela, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. I wish you continued success in everything you do. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure.
Thank you. Thank you. That is all for this week's show. I'll be back next week at the same time. Until then, remember when it comes to your dreams, the words can't and won't should never slow you down. There's always space to change and to grow. Don't be boxed in. Live your very best life. I am your host, Lana Reed, and I will see you all next week.